Let's open our Bibles this evening to Genesis chapter 33. We'll read verses 18 to 20, where we see Jacob making a good decision. Genesis chapter 33, and we'll read verses 18 to 20. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan, Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city. And he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Eloi, Israel. And the name means God, the God of Israel. So Jacob begins to make his claim in the land of Canaan that God had promised him. And the first thing that he does is he builds an altar in the midst of the Canaanite heathens with all of their idolatry and all of their vile practices, both in their religion and in in their daily conduct. And in the midst of that, Jacob builds an altar and he makes a declaration that he serves God, the God of Israel, the creator of heaven and earth, the one true God. And so in the midst of all of those Canaanites, this new individual comes here with this new religion, and it was a clear statement, it was a clear testimony that Jacob intended he and his family were going to serve and to worship Elohim, the God the God of Israel. There is no other God. Philippians two twelve through 16, we see that we as Christians in this Christ-rejecting world in which we live, we're also to have a clear testimony that stands in stark contrast to those around us. We need to be different. God had called Jacob and his family, beginning with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he had called them to a life of separation, and that, ought, that doesn't always sound good, and it's not always easy to be different from everybody else because it often leads, as we have seen in Israel's history, as we've seen throughout the church age, when we are different, it usually brings persecution and hatred and, and simply a lack of understanding of, of who we are. And yet we need to make that clear declaration, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to to shine in the midst of darkness. And this is what Paul tells us in Philippians 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Again, let it be seen outwardly, that Inward work that God has done by his grace. Now let that inner work manifest itself outwardly. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He'll do the work. We simply yield. It is a surrender of our will to his will, and he'll do the rest. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Why? Why is it important for us to build that altar of testimony? that we worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore we are different. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, just like Jacob. 
was in the midst of perversion, we also, we live in a perverted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain, Paul says, as he was faithful to proclaim this message of grace that saves us, that transforms us, and that prepares us for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life is to be that altar. Jacob built a literal altar, and it was important in that day that his neighbors saw he worshiped Jehovah, the God of Israel. It's important that our life be that visible altar that others see, and and they may look at us strange, and what's that? Who's that? What's that all about? They need to see what we are all about, and that is God changing and transforming us. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Often read this, but it has to do with our life, our testimony is an altar to God. What kind of condition is your altar in? What is your spiritual life and testimony to others? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So not only are we to build an altar, but we are to lay ourselves as the sacrifice on that altar. That sacrifice, that life is to be holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Others will see joy, peace, wisdom when we surrender our will to the will of God, the God that we worship. Now let's go on to Genesis, Genesis chapter 34. I don't want to, but we have to. Genesis chapter 34, and you'll know why in a minute. This is one of those chapters that I would just as soon not have to deal with. It's one of those ugly chapters. But I believe that all Scripture is profitable, and I think there are important lessons for us to learn here. And so we'll take our time and ask the Lord for wisdom and direction. But we don't want to just skip over something because it's uncomfortable. It's the Word of God. He recorded it for a reason. So I'll read the 30, 31 verses here, beginning at verse 1 of Genesis chapter 34. Now Dinah, the daughter of Laam, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. There's an important phrase right there as we begin. Remember, they have been called to a life of separation. But we have some curiosity here. Verse 2. And when Shechem, the son of Hamar, the, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamar, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Then Hamar, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field, when they heard it, and the men were grieved and very angry, because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. 
But Hamar spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. And make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us, and take our daughters to yourselves. So you shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it, and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give according to what you say to me. But give me the young woman as a wife. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamar his father, and spoke deceitfully, because he had defiled Dinah their sister. So we see the the habit of deceit continues in the family of Jacob. And they said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition we will consent to you. If you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to us. And we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. Obviously, contrary to the will of God and the direction of God. Verse 17. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. And their words pleased Hamar and Shechem, Hamar's son. So the young man did not delay to do the thing, because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. Now that is not a praise of his character. He's clearly not honorable. The thought behind the the description here is that he held much honor among his people, and he had a lot of influence over the population as is clearly seen as as we continue on. So he was honored and had authority over his people. And Hamar and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of their city and spoke with the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us, therefore let them dwell in the land and trade in it, for indeed the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us as wives, and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us to be one people, if every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. And now we see the real thinking of Hamar. Will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them and they shall dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city heeded Hamar and Shechem, his son, every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. So again, you can see the influence this man had on everyone. Can you imagine telling a whole city of males this is what they had to do? Um, There would have been a little protest, I think, from some, but not in this case. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain, the two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamar and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, and their their donkeys. 
what was in the city and, and what was in the field. And all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, they took captive, and they plundered even all that was in the houses. And by the way, when the law was given, and everybody talks about how horrible the law is, that an eye for an eye, that's a horrible thing. That, was, that command was actually given to mitigate some of this total revenge, an eye for an eye. In other words, there's a limit to the justice that you seek. This is not justice that is taking place. And so what some people think is a, a horrible law, an eye for an eye, it was actually a gracious provision of God to try to, to eliminate some of this overreaction to injustices. Then Jacob said to Simeon, verse 30, and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me, and I shall be destroyed, my household and I. Once again, we see Jacob's faith wavering. That was not God's promise to Jacob. And yet this is where he comes to. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? They justified their response to what is clearly an injustice. But we'll see that God does not accept their, their explanation, their justification. All of the sorrow, the death, and the tragedy that we, that we see in this, this chapter is the re result of the vileness of the flesh. The flesh is vile, whether it's in the ungodly, unsaved individual. The Christian has the same vile nature that the world has. And if you ever forget that, you're in for trouble. Your flesh is as vile as the world's flesh. You have a new man that we can yield to, but your flesh is as ugly as it's ever been. It doesn't improve after you get saved. And you have to recognize that so you can recognize it and judge it. No one in this chapter, no one is seeking the will of God. They're just reacting. This is one of the lessons that, that we can learn today is we don't live our life by knee-jerk reactions to circumstances and situation. Now, again, we, we know our flesh. I know my flesh. That is my first knee-jerk reaction. Somebody offends me. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to react. Anger, anger of itself is is not. They had every right to be angry, but we have no right to let anger dictate what we do. What is it that should govern our life? The Word of God, the revealed will of God. That's the only authority that we should yield to. But that means that we have to stop and judge our reactions and our responses. God, this is how I feel. This is what I want to do. But what do you want me to do in this circumstance, in this situation? Take time to make that decision. As we have time, and we probably won't get very far this evening, but let's look at each of the characters in the account and see if we can learn some lessons. We'll start with Dinah. I want to make it clear that Dinah is a victim here and that she was violated and it was not her fault. She didn't deserve it. She did not go out looking for a relationship. She was curious about the other, how other girls lived. 
the Canaanites in the, in the land, she was curious. And she just wanted to, to see how the other tribes lived. She didn't deserve to be violated. No one ever deserves to be violated with this crime. Never. There's never a justification. Having said that, something that that is probably not going to be very well received by many, but one I think we have to recognize, that because Dinah made the choice that she did, it exposed her to danger. That if she had not made those choices, she would not have put herself in, in that position. Her curiosity, she wanted to see the daughters of the land. She wanted to see how they lived and why they were so different and why, why it was necessary for her to be so different. Typical teenage response, isn't it? Why? Dad tells us what we have to do and how we need to be different, but why? Well, it's okay to ask the questions, but there needs to be that trust that God's ways are the best ways. And then begin to look around and see what the differences are. Look at the world. Look at their choices. Yeah, there's, there's fun out there. But look at the devastation, the destruction that comes from the choices that they've made. And then look at those that have chosen to honor the Lord with their life. And you'll see there's a stability, there's a joy, there's a peace that only comes from trusting God. Be honest with yourself. Don't, don't just go off and think you're going to figure out things that the Bible's been around a long time. The creator of heaven and earth, your creator knows what you need. Spirit, soul, and body, he knows what you need. So ask the questions, but go to the word. Go to the Bible to find, find them out. The law hadn't been given yet, but God's revelation to, to Abraham's descendants was clear. I've called you to separate you from the rest of the world. And Isaac and Jacob both weren't allowed to marry a Canaanite. And, and Dinah would have known that. That story would have been told over and over and over and over again. So she knew that separation was the will of God for their family. But despite that teaching, despite knowing that, Dinah was curious and went to see the daughters. And Dinah's poor choice, it didn't make it her fault she was violated. I want to make that clear. It didn't make it her fault. She didn't deserve what she got. That's how some people think of it. That's how some people think of Christians when they, they say, well, they got what they deserved. No. It was simply that they put themselves in a position of danger. I'll give an example here that should make it a little clearer because some people won't accept what I'm saying, that poor choices expose you to dangers that you don't have to experience. It doesn't mean you deserve those. For an example, an eight-year-old child who's been told to stay in the fenced yard lives next to a busy street. That child leaves that protection of that yard, goes in the street, and gets killed by a car. That eight-year-old child did not deserve to be killed by a car, but his choice to leave the protection of the fence exposed him to that danger. The same is true with us. When we step outside of the will of God, there's just unnecessary suffering and pain that you don't have to go through. If we'll just understand that God, if there's a prohibition, it's because God knows it's 
harmful to us out there. If he gives us direction to go in a certain way, even though we don't understand it, and to us it looks like there's harm in that direction, but if God leads us in that way, we have to trust him that that's for our best. We know that there's pain and suffering in the will of God, too. We know that. The Bible teaches us that. Paul is clear about that. But in the will of God, our suffering is never in vain. It has a purpose. It has an eternal purpose. I don't like suffering of any kind. But by faith, when I'm in the will of God, and he allows something that is unwanted and unpleasant, I take it from the hand of my loving Father. But any suffering that I can avoid, I'm all for that. And there's suffering in sin and carnality that I never, ever have to experience if I just stay within the fence yard of the grace of God, the revealed will of God. Second Corinthians six fourteen to 18. This is why we have these exhortations in the word of God. Second Corinthians six fourteen to 18. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we're called to separation too. We're called to be different. And sometimes it's that curiosity about the world and what they do and the ways of the world. That's what often attracts God's people to stray, just like with Dinah. And it leads to sorrow. It leads to loss. In Proverbs, let's, let's read this in Proverbs 29 to 33 couple passages here in Proverbs, and we'll close this evening. But we have clear warning, and it's not just to, to keep us from having fun. There's a reason why God tells us to occupy in certain things and to avoid other things, not to touch the, that which is unclean. And what, what does that mean for us today? Anything outside of the will of God is unclean. Anything that God tells us is not profitable for a child of God, that's unclean for us. Don't touch it. Proverbs 8.32, Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Wisdom is talking here. The wisdom that comes from the revealed will of God. Let's go to Proverbs 9, verses 10 through 12. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The curiosity, uh, and I'm adding here, the curiosity of the world leads to death of some kind. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied and Years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. And we could put it this way. If you are wise by knowing and obeying the will of God, you will benefit from that. 
But if you scoff and reject and disdain God's loving instruction, you're going to bear the pain of that for yourself, the suffering. And that also those who, who say, well, everyone else is doing it. Why can't I do it? Well, you can go enjoy the pleasure of sin for a moment with your friends and you will all have a wonderful time. But when the consequences of sin begin to, to form, and they will, you will suffer that alone. Your friends won't be there. Be wise and benefit from that wisdom that comes from knowing the will of God. The fear of the Lord is far better than the curiosity about the world. There's peace and safety in doing the will of God. And I think that's one thing we can learn from Dinah. And again, hopefully you understand, I'm not saying she deserved what she got. She did not. Nobody deserves to experience that crime. And yet her choice set things in motion. And the same is true with our choices. Stay in the will of God. We'll close there this evening.